Welcome to this Thursday evening meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. This evening's message is by Paul Abel. Evening, everybody. Good evening. Praise God. I've put the uh, banner here tonight because um, if you were here last week, just to bring you up to what we did last week, as part of what we were doing last week, um, we were interceding, and I was mentioning that intercession, what it literally means is standing in the gap. And uh, there's so many people um, who actually want to know God, not just those that don't, you know, aren't interested yet. There's a lot of people that want to know God, but don't know who he is, don't know what he's like, perhaps have a very um, stern, uh, God is a very stern person or anything like that. Uh, and so in intercession, you're bringing those people to God. And I did a little thing with Richard and Hannah by sort of me praying and bringing them together and then fading out in the background, which is what we want. We don't want people to come to us. We want people to come to Jesus. Uh, it's about a relationship with God. And from that relationship, then, of course, we as the church become his community, yeah, his body. But um, it's not the other way around. We are not a replacement. But it is also true that for many people, the only Jesus they see is those people that follow him. So it keeps doing this all the time. But I put the banner there because what we did physically last week, because sometimes you can, you can pray with words, but you can pray with actions as well. And so we were physically going up. It was over there in the hub. Um, we were physically going up to this banner, which has got a red cross on it. So we were physically going to the cross. And what we were doing in prayer was taking people in name to the cross, that they would have an encounter with Jesus at the cross, that place of complete acceptance, complete forgiveness, complete freedom. That's what we want people to have. And so it was a physical um, thing to go and stand there or to kneel just before the cross and surrender them, but then to walk away. Because it was also symbolic of we recognize it's not down to us to try and persuade people. Um, no, that's, we, we do persuade people, to force people, perhaps I should say, into becoming a Christian. It, that's nonsense. It's choice. It's, it's a person responding to the love of God. All we can tell them about is the love of God and the fact that the Father wants to be restored to them. And it seemed a very simple thing to do. But I thought it was very significant because... Uh, this Sunday, I don't know if everybody was aware, but two, uh, two men in the congregation and another young man has just done this, have all given their lives to the Lord. Now, is that a coincidence? Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, what if, people, what if God's people pray? Things happen, don't they? And uh, I know that on Sunday I invited people to baptism, um, so that was another impetus because the guys that got saved want to be baptised, and I always think that shows something when you say, yes, I will go down to Scarborough Beach and be dunked in the water. <laughs> it is a strange thing to do. But um, my, my baptism list, which I only announced last Sunday, has now got f- it's five people on it, five, five men, all of whom want to be baptised. So I'm excited about that. That's in a week. But... Uh, I just thought, yeah, this is God showing us to keep praying for our town. I mean, you, when you pray for a town 
to be changed by God. You're praying all different things, aren't you? You're praying that we could be what Jesus called the city on a hill, a place where people can find help, a place that makes a town a better place, a place that's a, a, a place of blessing. There's, there's that aspect of it. Then there's the aspect of ears being opened and uh, blind eyes seeing, seeing the truth and hearing the truth. So it's right to pay for the people that don't yet know him and for divine appointments and special encounters and everything else with us, with uh, people. And then there's another strange thing to do. You think, well, that doesn't sound like it's blessing uh, the town. It's to pray for the church to be full of love and full of boldness. Because it's like where I started. We, as, when God wanted to show the world what he was like, he came in human form as Jesus. If you want to know sort of the highest level of understanding what, what God is like, look at Jesus. Because that's why he came. He came to show us what God would look like if he was walking around on this planet. And so he's a, he, he, we look to him. I mean, he was set in a culture, and he was set in his time, so we have to understand what's going on in the culture uh, and interpret that to our 21st century thinking. But, so for example, uh, somebody got upset with me the other day. They were talking about Jesus and they were really upset that when he, he was talking uh, to a woman, he said, woman. He said, w- uh, woman, would you do this? And she was, uh, one of the reasons she was angry, that he would dare to talk to a, a lady like that. Woman, do this. Not realizing that the word that he was using was a term of endearment, and she would have found it very nice to be addressed by a man with that term. And that's, that's just understanding that the word woman... In, and he would have been using English, but our word woman can be quite insulting. Woman, can you get me a drink of water? Joyce would think, okay, <laughs> but please be nicer next time. <laughs> uh, but um, he wasn't using, he was using a term of endearment. Almost like you might say to your, your, uh, your you know, a woman might say, Shona, I don't know if she ever uses this, language, but she might say to, to Brian, darling, would you mind cooking tea tonight? You know, it's, it's the word darling. Well, you can use it, can't you? Yes, I know that, darling. <laughs> but if you're using it in the right way. <laughs> um, and it's people's perceptions of who Jesus is that we're praying for them for that perception to be changed. But for that perception to be changed, we need a bold people full of God's love who are being missional in this neighborhood, in this town, in the sense of they're like Jesus was. They're they're living like Jesus was to show who God is. It's not that we're God, but in that sense, we are incarnational. It's an opportunity to see what Jesus is like. And sometimes that leaves me with a sense of horror when I think what I'm like. But it actually is true of all of us. We, you know, if you're, if you're known, people will look to see. Some good friends of mine that uh, gave their lives to the Lord, after they'd in, given their lives to the Lord, they said, we've been watching you for five years. I mean, bless them, they, uh, they gave no hint <laughs> that they were getting close. Isn't that amazing? But they were watching to see if I lived consistently. Uh, they were friends, so they were kind when I didn't, but... You know, they were generally watching, are you living consistently with what you believe? And that was what brought them through. 
I think a lot of people do that. We're going to be looking at communion tonight, which is incredibly linked with the cross. I put the cross back because I thought even as we take communion in the bread and the wine, uh, I thought tonight, often we just pass it around, I thought tonight we could come forward and then afterwards take some people that you have in your heart, having had the bread and the wine, that, that you know that the blood, the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus is what enables you to, you to encounter God, is from that position just to briefly go before the cross and surrender them to the cross. Again, it's, it's an act, but we can pray with actions as well as pray with words and song and everything else. We're not disconnected. It's why position is so important in prayer. It's why I always encourage people to stand in worship, because when you sit, it's kind of a entertain me type thing, isn't it? So if we're able to stand, and obviously not everybody's able to stand, nor able to stand for long, but there is a sense of togetherness when we stand together to say, right, our intention is to stand before God. Here's a little story, a little narrative of Jesus very soon before the crucifixion. And he's in Bethany, which, as you know, was uh, the home of his friends, was in Bethany. But this time he's in the home of Simon the leper. Uh, And a woman comes to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. And they're all reclining at the table, is the word it used. So they were probably um, doing this sort of method on couches. Because I can't imagine how uncomfortable it must be to eat like this, but it was a very Roman way to do things. And it was a very adopted culture in uh, Israel at that time as well, especially if it was a posh do. Um, Anyway, they're reclining at the table, however they're doing it. And sometimes they would lean forwards and have their feet out behind them as well, which then also makes this a bit more easier to picture. But... What she does with this alabaster jar is, of course, you know, very expensive perfume, and she pours it on his head while he's reclining at the table. Now you know there's other stories of washing his feet with tears and hair. Uh, But this woman pours it over his head as she was reclining at the table. And it's a very expensive perfume. So... Everything within a lot of people, it says the disciples were indignant at this because it seemed like an incredible waste to just pour this oil over Jesus. And we don't very little about the faith of this woman and why she did it, really. And the disciples totally are missing what's going on in the spirit. Because they say, why this waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. And this verse gets overused, but it is true that we don't stop doing things well because we could give it all away and give it to the poor. Because you could give everything away. Um, We could stop 
hire leasing this building and that would give us a certain amount of money. But then we wouldn't have a place to meet, so the church wouldn't have the income that it does have and then we might not be running the other things that we do. So there is a time and a place and it's discerning what is the right time and place for what we want to do, what brings honour to God, remembering that actually it's God who's the provider and his resources are unlimited anyway. This is not an excuse, though, just to spend thousands and thousands on, on frivolous things. It's far from it. But anyway, they're, they're missing the point because this is actually just before this. This is not a waste. This is prayer. This action is prayer because she is, uh, you would anoint with oil to uh, declare something holy. I mean, Jesus was already holy. But to declare holy and set apart for God's purpose. It makes you wonder how much the woman knew. I, I think, personally, that this was a response to the prompting of the Spirit within her. Or to her. Because it's such a significant moment. It didn't happen by accident. Of that we know for sure. Or it, it wouldn't be here. And so when she anoints Jesus with this expensive perfume, she's, she's saying he is now being set apart for what God is going to do. This is one of the key things that happens just before that which brings us this. Amazing, isn't it? What faith, what motivation. We don't really know. I think it's a woman of faith, particularly why, why, why Jesus, how Jesus responds. Why are you bothering this woman? Yet more men trying to stop women in ministry, but we won't go there right now. <laughs> why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. Absolutely. Did she know who he was? We don't know. She knew something. Well, she wouldn't have done it. It must have been very, it was a ex very expensive and costly gift. There's speculation that it was that she's a prostitute and it's the result of the money she could earn as a prostitute. I think rather than that, demean the story enhances the story because it just shows how God responds to people. You know, sometimes we can feel not worthy of doing this, or I shouldn't do this, or I'm not good enough for this. And Jesus just says, look, just pour the oil. Just let the anointing flow through you. It's from me. It's not about you. I've cleansed you. When you come and drink this and eat this, the bread and the wine, shortly, it's a reminder that we have been restored to that place of holiness with God through faith in him, through faith in Jesus. It's amazing. And the oil should pour out of this broken vessel, not just over us, but then we're going to pour out over Scarborough and set Scarborough apart for the work of the Lord that we want to see in Scarborough in Filey, in Bridlington, 
in Knowlton, in Whitby, in the area around, that outpouring. You're saying, I am setting apart this town for the glory of God. And people might point to all the faults of a town. God knows the faults of the town. This was to enable all those faults to be dealt with in God so that every person could know God. God loved the whole world so much that he gave his son. But there has to be a response. Covenant has to be, a covenant has to be made. God cannot make a covenant and say, that's it, it's all sorted. There has to be a second party, however weak, however frail we are, that says, yes, I agree with that covenant. Yes, I agree that by the blood I am saved. Yes, I agree that by the blood I am washed clean. Yes, I agree that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a bit of a one-sided covenant. <laughs> but it's still a covenant. It's still two people, or two parties rather, coming together and agree. Yes, this is what it means. When you take the bread shortly, you're saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. And if any of you here tonight, you aren't sure yet about whether you believe in Jesus, then leave this here for now and continue that journey. But if you know that you want to know Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, then come. Even if you're like this woman, you know, possibly from an incredibly non-godly background, from heaven's point of view, and all that heaven will say is, welcome. Whatever you've done, whatever you've not done, it's paid for in what we remember with this, the blood. But then, because we are set free and we are forgiven and we are anointed we stand in the gap for others Hallelujah. and that's why I've put this banner over here just to take others that you know by name or maybe God will just give you a name maybe you'll have a few people last time we were doing it one to one I suggest tonight you, you just make your way over there Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. She was willing to let the anointing flow. Are you willing to let the anointing flow in prayer and worship and intercession? Are you willing to pay the cost? This would have been a very costly to her. She, she, it would have enabled her to live off the, sale, the proceeds for a long time. As, as the disciples say, it could have the money could have been given to the poor. It could have made a, a huge difference. But she knew that something was about to happen. And she anointed Jesus to say, he set apart. Because he was. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Because that's what you did. Interesting when you think later about the, the haste after he's, he's died. He had been anointed for burial. 
It may not have been done properly in that moment. They had to find an emergency tomb, and the, the, other, late, the other women were going to go back on the Sunday morning and make sure that the body had been properly prepared after the Sabbath had finished. But actually here, this woman anoints him for burial. I mean, you don't normally do it while somebody's alive, but... <laughs> Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Well, that was true. Mind you, we do get the story all around the world about the disciples totally missing it and being indignant as well. <laughs> Let's just read on a little bit. and uh, Let's just read some of this encounter and then we'll worship for a while. Then we'll have the, the bread and the wine and you have the opportunity to intercede for people you know or people you don't even know. Sometimes, you know, I can just, when I'm praying for people, I just get a, an impression of somebody's face. I don't even necessarily have a name. Sometimes I do just get names. And I just pray for them. The worst that can happen is I'm mistaken. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the worst. I've just wasted three minutes praying for somebody that didn't exist. But you know what? I don't think that happens very often, if we're willing to listen. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from, from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It was, of course, the Passover meal, so there would have been four actual cups of wine. But this particular wine that Jesus cut, that Jesus took, in Matthew's account, you'll see, you, you, it, Matthew mentions one of the other cups. But the cup was the blood of the covenant an agreement between two parties. And this part of the book, <laughs> the Old Testament, tells us that for the covenant, a covenant that brings life, must be sealed in blood. And so for this covenant to change the situation where humankind was separated from God, there had to be blood. If there had been any other way, it would have been done. There was no other way. Let's stand, shall we? And let's ask the worship team to come forward. Let's spend some time just worshipping, and then we'll go into communion, as I said, uh, and then you'll have the opportunity to pray. As we, as we worship, God might begin to give you some people that you're going to take to the cross. Don't worry if you can't remember all their names. The fact that he's given them to you, you just know that those are the people you're going to take. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.